Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. Hello, 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 and welcome to another edition of the Niner Noise Podcast, part of the Fansided Podcast Network. My name is Robert Morrison. I am a contributor at NinerNoise.com, and here with me to celebrate the beginning of the 2020 football season is another contributor at Niner Noise, Chris Wilson. Chris, how are you doing this evening, sir? Not too bad. We are days away from the beginning of the 2020 NFL season, and then just a couple more days away from the beginning of the Niners home game against the Cardinals. So I am doing very good. Yes. Hopefully nothing happens between now and then. And <laughs> uh, fingers are crossed and I'm hiding under my desk and just ready for some football. Yeah, man. Let's make this happen. Yeah. It's definitely almost football time as we sit here on Monday evening recording this. Actually, by the time we get to Thursday night at Brown this time, which kind of gives you an idea of how late into the evening we are, we're doing this, uh, the game will nearly be over, the first NFL game of the season. The Chiefs and the Texans, who you know have some good quarterbacks on their team and all that kind of stuff, but that's what we'll be seeing happening uh, just a couple of days from now, and lots of things going on in in 49er land as you note they're uh, going to be opening the season at home at in an empty Levi Stadium unfortunately against those pesky Arizona Cardinals the roster is ready to go and we'll talk about that in just a moment but we're going to do a, a bunch of different things to kind of get everybody ready for not only the season as a whole but also uh, week one uh, against Arizona so Chris uh, any other sort of general thoughts before we get into into this thing yep I do have a, a couple of thoughts. First off, you absolutely yeah, really right. <laughs> you absolutely killed your projections, so congratulations on that. Oh, thank you, thank you. I know you were trying to be modest and say that it was not that tough, but I still think it's tough, and it's difficult to argue that you didn't absolutely kill it. So, congrats on that. Yeah, thank you. And I'm just ready for the season. I'm still a little concerned about. Injuries on both sides of the ball, both Fred Warner, whether that's an injury or not. At Debo, who's unlikely to see the field. So where does that production come from? Whether the situation at center is going to 
work itself out by the time Sunday rolls around. And just overall the weirdness of COVID and no fans in the stands and just the Levi's Stadium that was going to have some cardboard cutouts and <laughs> some fake crowd noise and that's about it. But Chris, tell us, tell us the truth. Do you have a cardboard cutout that you were getting for Levi's Stadium this year? I would absolutely do it if it was free. But when they said they were going to charge me $150, I laughed at them. Yeah, yeah. They just do not understand at all. Like They need to be giving these things away for free. And I understand that it's for some type of charity or something other. And that's great. Then allow the non-season ticket holders to participate. But yeah, the least you could do is give us cardboard cutouts. I mean, come on, man. <laughs> Agreed. And, 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 or, or maybe it could be like a, you know, name your own price type of thing. If it's for charity, like having a price on it feels a little bit like a little sinister or something like that. Yeah. I, I, actually, I like your idea better than mine. So yes. Yeah, so, so just say, here's what we're going to charge the non-season ticket holders. We're giving you the first shot of this. And it was definitely like a shotgun operation because we got the email on, maybe Friday saying <laughs> you better get on this real quick because it's open to the public on Monday as if it's going to like sell out or something like give me a break. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No offense to anybody who did it, but I mean, I mean, it is the Silicon Valley, my friend. So I, I bet you there will be pretty good numbers. Yeah. I've been watching a lot of uh major league baseball with the empty crowds. It's, it's weird. It's, it's really weird. And then the weirder thing that um I think it's Fox that Fox has been doing, and I really hope they don't do this. Uh, for the NFL games is they've been inserting like digital fans from <laughs> from the MLB the show video game uh, like putting them in the stands so like if something like if somebody hits a home run they'll kind of pan the camera back and then they'll show like fans from the digital fans from the from the video game in the stands oh, it's, no. it's very off-putting are you serious um, I'm 100% serious I I've only seen it like once or twice but it, it is for real. Um, I'm really hoping that that's not something that they're going to do for the uh, for the NFL games. Mostly because there's just a lot of stands to fill and it would look even more awkward like in a 70,000 foot or 70,000 seat uh, stadium as opposed to like a baseball stadium that holds like 30 or 40,000. And, they and they're only doing a section of it at a time. Um, so we'll see how that goes. But um, yeah, anyway. Uh, so again, so what we're going to look at today is just a mostly spend most of our time kind of talking about the Cardinals game uh, that's coming up as we start to get into the back into the flow of the podcast and the flow of the regular season, which um, man just snuck up on us. You know, the, the lack of, uh, of preseason games and the lack of uh, a whole lot going on in the off season. It was just really quiet, um, you know, a barring other than sort of like contract talks and, and, you know, the George Kittle extension and the Raheem Mostert stuff, which we've talked about ad nauseum here on the podcast. Uh, so we won't talk about it anymore. <laughs> but they... I promise um, you I won't. <laughs> Chris is done talking about that maybe forever. Um, they, Other than that, it's been really quiet. And then all of a sudden we woke up and it was September and we're like, oh, we got football games coming up. Uh, so weird. Um, but... Uh, anyway, so what we're going to do uh, is mostly focus on that game. We'll talk briefly about the sort of overall um, season expectations and that sort of thing, too. Um, but as you noted earlier, uh, we do want to chat briefly about the roster projection that I uh, put together and that we talked about on the podcast uh, last time out. Um so we're going to take a brief look at the 52-man roster as it currently stands. Um, 
we were talking about this before we got on on the uh, actually recording here. Um, so linebacker Fred Warner is on the COVID list uh, right now. So they're holding a roster spot, which I guess is a weird a thing that they can do in this bizarre season. Because um, under normal circumstances, if he were like injured, they'd have to put him on the roster and then decide whether or not they want to put him on like the pup list or the IR or whatever. But because it's the COVID list and he could come up, come off after eight days or 10 days or whatever the amount of time is, I guess he can just sort of sit on the list and not be on the, on the active roster, but not, it's strange. Um, so technically they only have 52 players on the list right now. Um, but 53, if you count Warner, which I definitely would, cause either, either he's going to be on the roster and not active for week one, which would be bad, or he's going to be on the roster and active for week one. So one way or the other, but, um, Let's just run through it really quickly. Uh, give you a position by position. I won't know without commentary, so this can be quick. Uh, so quarterbacks, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, Nick Mullins, and C.J. Beathard. Uh, running backs, Tevin Coleman, Raheem Mostert, Jarek McKinnon, Jeff Wilson, and Kyle Juszczyk. Uh, wide receivers, Brandon Ayuk, Kendrick Bourne, Richie James, Dante Pettis, Debo Samuel, and Trent Taylor. Um, that is not a very tall group of wide receivers, consequently. <laughs> that may be the um, tallest group that Shanahan's had in San Francisco, yeah. though. If you look it, at it. <laughs> yeah, what Bourne's the tallest, probably, what, six, six, one, six, two? Yeah, he wishes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that might be in his driver's license. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> so you have Ayuk, Bourne, and Pettis, who are all over six feet tall, and Samuel is six feet tall, and then James and... Trent Taylor are under six feet tall. and They're all under six foot, yeah. That's got to be a record. That has to be the tallest core of wide receivers that Niners have ever had under Shanahan and Lynch. Yeah, it's not a big group. It's interesting. Anyway, um, tight ends. Uh, George Kittle, Ross Dwelly, Jordan Reed, and Charlie Warner. Uh, offensive line, Mike McGlinchey, Trent Williams, Lakin Tomlinson, Daniel Brunskill, Tom Compton, Ben Garland, Colton McKivitz, and Justin School. Uh, with uh, center Reston Richburg starting on the pup list, as we mentioned before. Uh, defensive line, Eric Armstead, Nick Bosa, D. Ford, Kevin Givens, Kerry Hyder Jr., DJ Jones, Javon Kinlaw, Kentavia Street, and Solomon Thomas. Ronald Blair also starting the season on the pup list, unfortunately, with that um, that late ACL. There was, I would have been surprised if he was ready, given the sort of lateness of his injury, but you know, it, it, it'll be a bummer. Um, cause if there's a depth issue, it's at the sort of edge rusher among that groups, not, not ideal, not what you want. Um, linebackers, Quan Alexander, Fred Warner, as we noted on the COVID list, Dre Greenlaw, Aziz Alshair, Mark Nazocha, and Demetrius Flanagan Fowles. Well, who's that? Quite, those are some names, my friends. <laughs> DFF baby. Uh, yeah, man. Um, cornerbacks, Richard Sherman, Akella Weatherspoon, Quan Williams, Jason Verrett, and Emmanuel Mosley. And safeties, Jimmy Ward, Jaquaski Tart, Tavarius Moore, and Marcel Harris. Um, and Robbie Gould, Mitch Wishnowski, and Kyle Nelson are going to be your specialists. So those are, that's the roster. That's it. And then, of course, we could also include the practice squad, which is 16 other guys. Um, <laughs> should I should I go there? We can, sure, let's throw that out there. Let's see if they can. Go for it. Well, what are we doing? Only if you can recite it out of memory. <laughs> I cannot. Uh, so we have River Craycraft, which is just the name, man. Um, <laughs> it's a wide receiver. Jo- Jonathan Cyprian, who we noticed noted is a, a veteran. But yeah. but I, I thought he wasn't. Thought he Apparently, he Shanahan talked him into it. So there we go. Oh, oh. big bluff. Yeah, he did it. Darian Daniels, defensive line. Um, Hronis Grassu, 
who man, um, an offensive lineman, Chase Harrell of the tight ends, uh, Tim Harris, cornerback, Jamichael Hasty, running back, Josh Hokett, fullback, Juwan Jennings, wide receiver, Dante Johnson, cornerback, Deion Jordan, uh, defensive line. That's your boy. That's <laughs> uh, rough. Um, Jared Maiden, safety, uh, Dakota Shepley, um, offensive line, William Sweet, offensive line, Joe Walker, linebacker, and Kevin White, wide receiver. So there is your list. Halfway through there, I thought we were in the middle of like a Key and Peel episode. <laughs> it was, yeah. Uh, it's, um, it's just like smash your keyboard with two hands and just see what yeah, happens. Yeah, yeah. yeah for sure. Um, so some so of note uh, for the practice squad for this the year, uh, obviously it's bigger than it has been in, in recent years, 16. Um, I think eventually, I think that's a COVID-related thing. I think eventually it'll go down to 14 um, regularly. Or I think that's the number that they decided on at, at eventually. Um, and I don't imagine that the, the, <clears throat> the, you can have six, six members of the team that have been, uh, that are veterans of any amount of time rule will, will stick around. Um, and as I understand it, four of these players can be sort of earmarked as untouchable each week, um, by other, uh, by other teams. I can't imagine under the circumstances that people are going to be like really in a hurry to, to swipe people off of people's practice, of other teams' practice squads, given the situation. Um, Cause I imagine if you bring them in, you have to get them, you know, a COVID test and then they have to wait a long time. So it's, it's complicated. Um, and of course they have to be uh, put on the other team's 53 man roster. If you do that anyway, um, and then the other thing that I, that I understand and correct me if you understand this differently is there are two players on this practice squad each week that can be, can be sort of moved up and down, um, and put on the, on the active roster as needed, um, without sort of sacrificing a roster spot each week. Um, yeah, I'm not sure the exact rules of that, but you know, originally they intended it to be just primarily offensive linemen. Right. And then. There's definitely a lack of communication from the NFL. I think they're busy doing other things, like trying to start the season. So they're just not telling us anything. I'm not really sure what the status of that is, but if it's a practice squad, then why are they allowed to play in games? I don't really understand that. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I do know because they've upped the the active roster on game days to 49, right? Um, or 40, it's two more, right? 40, 48. Um, instead of 46 or whatever it was. Um, I think that's right. Uh, and But one of those extra players has to be a, an offensive lineman, which is a rule that I thought was very interesting. I'm like, how do you know that I wasn't planning on making this person active anyway? Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, it was like my master plan with Beather to give him a number somewhere in the 60s and just be like, all right, yeah, now you're an <laughs> offensive lineman. So. There you go. He's here. There's he's an offensive lineman. It's totally it's legitimate. Um, anyway, so yeah, so there's I think a good mix of sort of young and old players on this list. I think players like Jawan and Jawan Jennings and Jamichael Hasty uh, and Chase Harrell. The chance that they're going to remain on the practice squad throughout the season is probably pretty high. Whereas somebody like I don't know Dion Jordan or 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 even Jonathan uh, Cyprian might have a, a chance of sort of getting pushed up the. A list if uh, if needs be or maybe like a Kevin White someone who's a little bit more um, active and, and has been around the NFL a lot longer. Yeah I was pretty excited that we held on to him because he once had 
High expectations. Kevin White, yeah. And that wasn't too long ago. No. For a while, it was looking like we were doing uh, with our wide receiver group what we were what we've done with the the defensive line, which is just like let's stack as many first round picks <laughs> on it as we can, and then we had, what do we because we, we had Tavon Austin in there for a while, he's on IR now, um, and then we had Kevin White, and it's just like all oh, these failed first round draft picks, let's just stack them in there and see if it works. But but as you said, my uh, my roster projection not too far off. I, I counted this. Um, I got 49 out of 53, with, if you include Warner on the list. Um, I did not predict that Aziz Alshayer would make the team. I figured he would be a practice squad guy, but I guess because of the uncertainty with Warner, they decided to go ahead and keep an extra linebacker just in case, because if he ends up being on the COVID list through the first week, they're just going to need another body in there. Um, I did have Tim Harris on the roster. They decided to go with five cornerbacks instead of six, and so that's sort of uh, – and, and Shire Alshayer might have been the sort of different – number there and then i had Dion jordan on the list as well and he didn't end up making the team um and then i didn't have contavia street i think was the only other one that i um that i missed so not bad um so chris any surprises or snubs from this this list people anybody that you were like oh this person definitely should have made the team or i'm surprised that this person did make the team or anything like that well at the end of our last podcast when i was sure that i was wrong and I was wondering where that mystery defender was going to come from. Well, I found out that it was going to come from the defensive line. So we're only going with nine linemen instead of 10, which is questionable because it sort of presents a challenge in the running game, which is an area that we already need improvement. But I guess that's the only way they could get my boy DFF onto the roster. So, right. That was definitely something that was surprising, but I couldn't really figure out where else they were going to pull a another either linebacker or safety or cornerback from. So I guess they decided to pull it from the defensive line. And then, of course, it's just funny with the whole Cyprian giving in. <laughs> um, <laughs> after saying he wouldn't, Lynch was having none of that, obviously. And just the Niners subjected a lot of viable NFL players to the practice squad and I think it's just an odd year because no other team has seen these players play this year because there's been no preseason. So, right, like the standouts don't exist. So it's sort of sort of weird like yeah. that. So I think everyone sort of gets a free pass this year, other than the guys who have film on them from previous seasons. So the practice squad is definitely a lot different this year. I mean, it was already going to be a lot different, but now it's like twice yeah. or three times as different as it was going to be. For sure. Yeah, I think this would definitely be the first time on record where ev- all members of the practice squad were players that were in 49ers camp um, during training camp. Like normally you might, oh, we got like half of the guys that are on our that are on uh, our practice squad were in our training camp roster. You know, maybe six or seven if you're lucky, but to have your entire practice squad made up of players that you signed during previous to that is obviously a sign of the times and obviously having a lot to do with the fact that there's no film, as you mentioned. So somebody like Jawan Jennings and Jamichael hasty might've shown enough um, to make the team, but instead, but the team also assumed that they, that nobody else would know anything about them. <laughs> right. And I think the assumption that somebody like Jennings 
uh, would be a, um, a commodity of, of interest for the rest of the NFL. Obviously, he didn't get drafted till the seventh round. So if the rest of the NFL had wanted him, they probably would have gone ahead and drafted him earlier on. So I think that's a, that was a risk they were willing to take. And, and again, I think under the circumstances, I think most people were probably more concerned about bringing in someone from, from the outside as much as they could. And so you could maintain some of this continuity in the, in the team and, and just keep working with that. And so you got a nice mixture of players that may be eventually stepping up into, into, into roster positions sometime this year, or, and then players who are going to be kind of groomed to take over spots down the road. So I don't think it's a, a bad group at all. Um, and you noted that I, that I said earlier that it's, it was not terribly difficult. I think, Projecting the roster for a good team is a lot easier than projecting the roster for a bad one, um, especially under the circumstances, because in that uh, article that I wrote, I kept repeating the, this idea that there's just several players in this group that are locks, and there wasn't a lot of question marks about like who's going to make the team in most places, and some of them were, you know, it came down to one person, or it came down to, you know, a, a debate between two guys, like the running back thing with... Uh, Jeff Wilson and Jamichael Hasty. It was just like, okay, which one is the team going to go with? It, and they ended up going with the sort of known commodity versus the rookie. And in some cases, injuries made that easier. Like the wide receiver situation became simpler to predict uh, as injuries and and other things started to sort of clear the air um, along the way. And so you know, it's nice. It, it's nice when the team is good enough that it's not difficult to do that for sure. Yeah, let's just hope that we stay healthy and we don't need to use any of these players. Agreed. Agreed. All right. Um, so with that in mind, let's think about the the season on the whole in, in a sort of very quick snapshot of the season on the whole. And then we'll talk uh, about the, the, the game that's coming up this uh, this Sunday. Wow. This that's Sunday. crazy. Uh, so this time last I know uh, this time last season, we had uh, pretty moderate expectations for the 49ers. I think we talked about this in our early episodes. I wrote a, an article last August probably or late September right before the season started and I I predicted I think a 9 and 7 record for the 2019 team. Uh I said they were probably going to be fighting for a wild card spot but that they probably weren't good enough to eclipse the Seahawks yet and the you know the Rams were coming off a Super Bowl and and that sort of thing and you know I I figured they'd probably be better than the than the Cardinals and they'd probably be at least on par with the with the Rams or whatever that might be. Um, but I said nine and seven last year, and of course, uh, we were very wrong about that. <laughs> um, and and I think this was a sort of general consensus. Like they were the hot team that everybody thought was going to be great in 2018, and then Garoppolo goes down, right? Um, and then he comes back in 2019, and everybody's like, well, you know, let's temper our expectations now. You know, maybe they're a, an eight nine, maybe a ten win team if everything goes right. Um, with 2020, the season we're about to start. Uh, was the the thought that everyone was like, okay, well, this will be the season that they're going to really be in contention. Well, they got in a year ahead of, of schedule, had a great year, got to the Super Bowl, uh, and I, I would think that it would be hard to to argue that, that 2019 was not better than we thought, um, <laughs> regardless of how it ended, uh, which we shall not speak of at this particular point. But at this juncture, thinking about the 2020 season, Chris, what expectations do you have for this team, given all that's going on around the league and and uh, what they did for the roster. So, like I said, I think a earlier in the offseason, I don't think that their 2020 roster is better than their 2019 roster, but their 2020 roster has a little bit more 
experience thanks to last year. So it really depends on how much the team has grown and how much those individuals have grown. You know, some of these guys were rookies in 2019 and they were producing and now they're playing more of a veteran role in 2020. So I think overall the Niners will have a tougher time because teams are going to be aiming for them because they went to the Super Bowl last year. Not sure what happened there, but they were definitely there. And I don't recall. Teams seem to get a better handle on the Fortnite's D over the latter portion of the 2019 season. So that's another issue that the Fortnite's are going to have to deal with. And another reason why I was surprised that they only kept nine defensive linemen instead of 10. So I don't think the Niners will do as well in the turnover battle, which was much better in 2019 than it was in 2018, but that's not saying anything at all. (laughs) Yeah. And they were able to overcome a lot of injuries last year. And I would expect their injury situation to be better this year, knock on wood. So I don't know if you're looking for a final record or not, but I think that the 49ers will be a little bit worse than they were last year, but still in the hunt for one of the top spots at the end of the regular season and potentially the number one seed. But it'll be a little bit more difficult than it was in 2019. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's I think that's fair. I think I would definitely agree with that. It could be a situation where their record might be worse. Um, so they might win 12 games instead of 13 um, or something like that, or maybe 11 games. But I still think they have a pretty good chance of a winning the division and b being in obviously uh, contention for uh, that top overall seed and depending on how other things shake out. There certainly are a lot of uh, several other teams in the NFC that are that are worth having that conversation about. You know, we got the Saints um, who are probably going to be good. We have uh, the, the, you know, the Packers and the Vikings who are, are probably going to be good. Um, the Buccaneers, who knows what they're going to do. Um, it, you know, and then, of course, you know, Seattle is the an annoying brother that is hanging out in our division that wants to prove that they are more than uh, just a single tiny quarterback. And, uh, you know, lots of lots of directions that could go. And I think there's going to be a lot of competition in the in the NFC this year. But I certainly agree their their record may look a little different, but um, I think they're still going to be, you know, in contention among uh, the top teams in the NFC. Um, So quickly before to kind of wrap up this this overall look, um, you don't have to necessarily get into into an explanation of of why you think this. But what would you say is the finishing order uh, in the NFC West this season? I think it's going to be identical to what it was last year with the Niners having a little bit more room between them and the Seahawks, more than one inch. Gosh, I hope so. And then the Rams being fairly close to what they were last year, and then the Cardinals taking a little bit of a step forward. But I think Seahawks are going to take a step back, and that Pythagorean win expectation is going to... (laughs) finally rear its head in Seattle, as well as their turnover differential, which was pretty absurd as well. So I think they will, in the end, be a one short player team, as you said. Yeah. Yeah. I th- I, what did I hear the other day? They, are, they were like 11-2 in one-score games last year in the regular season, and then 1-1 one one in the playoffs. They won their first game and then lost the second one, obviously. Um 
but like almost all of their games <laughs> were one score games of the 18 games that they played only like two of them were not one score games and they won almost all and they won 12 of them which is insane <laughs> well in addition to being insane it's also very unlikely to repeat so it's one of the reasons why they'll progress back to the mean in 2020 right i did a couple of uh, articles late last year on why the Seahawks should not be where they are, even though they kept on winning and winning. And I think that they there they should have been something like eight and eight uh, if you go by the Pythagorean win expectation, which is basically points scored versus points scored against. <laughs> that's a, that's incredible. Because yeah, over the course of the season, they had. One score more than their opponents in total. And somehow they won 12 games. <laughs> that's just not something that's regularly repeatable. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we've been saying this for like years now. They've been doing this to us for like half a decade now. It feels like it's ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, they definitely have been lucky, but you know, it's math. It's eventually going to catch up to them. It's happened with every other NFL football team in history. I'm not so worried. It was sort of kind of thing where if the, Ball bounced their way, they'd be nine and seven. Well, if it's neutral, it'd be eight and eight. If it bounced against them, it would be seven and nine. And they managed another two to four wins. So that ain't happening again. Um, yeah, I, th- I th- at least they're usually like good though. But last year, I feel like they weren't. No, no, I don't feel like they were good, and I'm not really sure that they're better this year. Um, I feel like their defense might be a little better. You know, their secondary is pretty solid and they, you know, generally have pretty good linebackers, but they don't have anybody to rush the passer. And, you know, they let Jadavian Clowney go and he wasn't even really like great all year. He just, you know, terrorized us in the two games that we played him. But other than that, they're, they're, I think they're, and their offensive line is still terrible. Um, (laughs) So, you know, we'll see how that goes. Um, I think I'm generally in agreement with you. I, you know, just to kind of throw a little, uh, an, an extra little bit in there, I think, Again, the Niners will be at like that 12 and 4, 13 and 3 range again. I think probably 12 and 4 feels about right. Um, Seahawks may be at about 10 and 6. I do think um, the battle for the seller will be very interesting. I'm, I, I, I don't think the Rams are very good. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they're going to be in a weird situation where they're going to have a really hard time stopping anybody from doing anything because outside of uh, Aaron Donald, who's obviously very good at football, and Jalen Ramsey, who's also very good at football when he stops talking long enough to, to play their defense is not good at all. Um, and so maybe their offense clicks in a little bit better, but their defense is going to be so bad that it's not going to matter. Like I think their offense that showed up the second half of last year might be good. Like that may be what they're looking at, but I think what I'm, what I'm expecting is they're going to end up in a lot of games, like the second game that the Niners played them, you know, at the towards the end of the season, that Saturday night game, like the week before um, the Seahawks game, uh, where that was just <laughs> really high scoring and um, they they couldn't get a stop, and the Niners were, were struggling to, to get a to get a stop too. But I I think that's going to be kind of what the season that they're going to look like, um, and so that that may mean that they end up losing some games that they don't have any business losing um, to teams that they probably are more talented than across the board. And I think the Cardinals are going to be the same kind of situation, but in reverse, where they're going to, to win some games that, that they might be a little bit ahead of in that regard. Um, 
so I'm actually going to go Niners, Seahawks, Cardinals, uh, Rams. I think it's going to be close. It might be within a game where like the Cardinals are like eight and eight, and the Rams are seven and nine kind of thing. I think this is definitely the the best division in the NFL for sure. Now that the Cardinals are not the laughing stock of the league anymore. Um, and I think it'll be really interesting. And I would be really surprised if the Niners are able to be as successful as they were last year where they were five and one in the division. I think they're probably looking at more like a four and two type of situation. Um, I think that's, that's more what they, what they might be looking at. I know that's a one game difference, but it, you know, it can make a pretty big difference uh, in the long run. I'd be pretty happy with that because you really have three other teams in the division. And would you really be surprised if any of those three teams didn't end up nine and seven? Because I wouldn't. Like, yeah, no, not so at all. It's a d- tough division to be in, but it's a tougher division for the other three teams to be in. So it's good for us. <laughs> <laughs> but here's, here's hoping that's the case. Um, cool. All right. Uh, so the last thing on the docket for this week is uh, turning ourselves toward in the direction of what will be getting back to our normal swing of things. Um, obviously, next week we'll we'll really get into it when we uh, get to uh, review and then preview. Um, but that is Sunday's game against uh, Arizona. Um, so the Cardinals had a pretty busy off season, um, and I think it's difficult to make the argument that they were not the team in the NFC West that got. Um, that did the most to get better in this offseason. They added um, all pro wide receiver DeAndre Hopkins uh, via a, a, a still very, very, very confusing uh, fleecing of the Houston Texans um, that I, I I still scratch my head at and, and go, what? excuse me, what? Um, <laughs> so to be clear, you traded a player that they were about to release um, and, a, and a, you know, mediocre draft pick for one of the best receivers in football. Cool. They added uh, do-it-all defender Simmons out of Clemson in the first round of the draft. And now that quarterback Kyler Murray is no longer a rookie, um, many are expecting him to take a leap in 2020. And uh, I would say the Cardinals are a dark horse candidate in many people's eyes to sneak into what will be an expanded playoff field at the end of the year. Um, Remember that seven teams from each league will make it, uh, leading to a single first-round bye for the number one seed and – an opportunity for uh, the other team to not get that chance. So with all that in mind, all those things that I just mentioned, Chris, uh, what is one thing that concerns you about the Cardinals heading into Sunday's matchup, Sunday's season opener? One thing that concerns me is Murray related, but it's more a 49ers problem. And that's the 49ers defense and Salah's inability to game plan against running quarterbacks. He's just, just not very good at it. And Murray had his way with the Niners defense on the ground last year, as did a handful of running quarterbacks. And now that Murray has a top-tier wide receiver to throw the ball to as well, it's just going to make it even more difficult. But overall, I'm less impressed with Murray as a quarterback than most analysts are. I think that they want him to be better than he is or he's going to be. And the fact that he just sacks himself at such an alarming rate is, is troublesome. I mean, yeah. he just, it was well over like half his sacks were because he just sacked himself and he just he ran out, yeah, out of a totally clean pocket. And that, it, it's funny how like the Arizona Cardinals offensive line, how it ranks because they're like, 
you allowed so many sacks, but you're a good pass. <laughs> like what? Like doesn't make any sense, but it yeah. does make sense because they were providing Murray with clean pockets, but he doesn't like those. He, he'd rather just run into the closest like, defender and get sacked. So, you know, adding Hopkins definitely helps. It would help anybody immensely. And they have a sure. very deep receiving core, but well, they drafted like 32 of them <laughs> yeah. last year. So and, and, and that's their, their coach. He expects to have all of them on the field at all times. Um, I mean, <laughs> that is what, one thing about the Cardinals that maybe one reason I overlooked them a little bit is because their coach does not have a very good history of winning games. He has a great history of having a good offense, but winning is not really his thing, even at the college level. That's very rare to have a coach like that come to the NFL and be good in the NFL when he was so bad in college. And he is yet to prove that he is a good NFL coach or an NFL coach who can win football games. You just have to compare it to someone like Chip Kelly, who was just blowing every team out of the water every time he played them. Right. And he comes to the NFL and, you know, after a year or two of successful trickeration, he's sent packing take a guy who loses more games than he wins in college and then you bring him up to the majors it's pretty rare that that guy stays there and doesn't get sent back to the minors at some point sooner or later so adding hopkins obviously it helps immensely it's a really big move for them if they didn't make that move i would not be worried about them as much as i am but I'm expecting, especially in the early season, for Murray, when he isn't scrambling into trouble that wasn't there, and he actually faces real pressure, that he's just going to lock on to DeAndre. And hopefully the Niners will be smart enough to play a lot of zone defense and not a lot of man defense for two reasons. One, because that's not what you want to do against a running quarterback. And two, because you want the 49ers corners to be watching Murray and watching Murray freak out and watching Murray just lock on to his favorite receiver who catches everything and be ready to intercept any desperation passes that he might throw. So it's still my biggest concern is the fact that Sally just doesn't care and will just allow him to run all over the field and and just play man defense. But overall, I think Murray is still hasn't proven himself as a top tier or even an average caliber quarterback. So he, he has a ways to go. Of course, he was rookie last year, so I would expect some progression, but not necessarily the progression that everyone else wants him to yeah. see. Yeah, I think, I think I'm with you there for sure. Um, I, I think I heard somewhere that he was credited with uh, 62 quarterback pressures um, <laughs> as the quarterback. <laughs> or it was six i don't know if there was the exact number of 62 but it was in it was it was like 60 something which is insane um he had more he allowed more more pressures um by this metric than any of his offensive linemen did which is hilarious um which just means that he was responsible for creating the pressure with by his his movement out of the pocket or um, out of, you know, trying to make something out of nothing in, in those situations. But um, yeah, I definitely agree with you um, on that regard. Um, I think um, adding DeAndre Hopkins to what was already a pretty good 
um, receiving core last year. Remember, they still have Larry Fitzgerald, who, while he is, you know, nearing 40 years old, is still pretty good at football. Um, and, you know, has never really depended on being very fast or, or quick in the first place. He's just tall and doesn't drop things. Um, which is insane. Um, and he'll still be around for probably just this, this season, but, um, yeah, he's got a lot of options to throw to The question is whether or not he's going to sort of settle as you say, and, and make the throws back there. Now, it, granted he is like five foot nine, so that probably plays into it. And in, in that regard, but, um, I, I, I think it'll be an interesting matchup. Uh, I think the, uh, the, the big thing to keep in mind is that, um, they're adding players in uh, in key places in a sit in uh, under sort of bizarre circumstances, which is something the the Niners aren't really doing. Um, they have a few players, but they also have uh, guys who are holding down that 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 predict that uh, that area. And um, so um, let's then move on to the predictions for this week. Um, so the Cardinals uh, played did play the 49ers pretty well last year. Um, uh, they sort of held them, held off a, the Niners held off a, um, a late comeback in the Halloween night game um, in the first matchup. And then the Cardinals jumped out onto a 16 nothing lead um, in the, the matchup that happened a couple of weeks later um, in Santa Clara before the Niners sort of pulled their heads out of, you know, their collective behinds and, and kind of got it together. And then we got the most wonderful uh, Jimmy Garoppolo passing the ball to uh, your, uh, cousin, uh, Jeff, um, <laughs> I can, uh, right. You guys are related. I'm sure distantly. Uh, and we got, I mean, the, we, we luckily we are so for sure, yeah. for sure. Um, uh, <laughs> and then we got that, that most excellent, uh, touchdown throw and catch and then dance, which we cannot forget. Cause that was you know really great. Um, even if they're a six and 10 team or a seven and nine team, I think they're going to be one of those six and 10 or seven and nine teams that you're like, Oh really? They finished six and 10. Like I thought that they were better than that because they have, you know, they were always in, in games as opposed to like a bad team, like the Bengals last year who were just, were getting smushed by everybody. But um, I, I just don't think their defense is, is going to be a whole lot better. They do have players in a lot of positions. Um, but I, I, I think, uh, the, the strange thing about uh, like Simmons, for example, who they selected in the first round, um, like the sixth overall pick or whatever, is that I don't know that they're using him where they where his best position is. Um, and I feel like if they in and I, I think I read somewhere today, he feels like he was brought into the league in by the Cardinals to to be the George Kittle stopper. And um I wish him Godspeed in that in that effort to do so, um, and he can just ask his buddy uh, Buddha Baker what happens when you try to stop George Kittle. Um, Burn. <laughs> on I should note a, a sprained ankle. I believe Kittle did that to him, um, and then you know used his head as a basketball. Um, so that was fun, um, and and so I think there's going to be some growing pains for this team. Uh, I think this time next year we might be having a different conversation, but I'm just not sure that they're there quite yet. Um, as we mentioned, this is a bizarre season. I think continuity is really important. And the 49ers, like I said, for the most part, have a lot of, of that coming into this year. Um, and I think they're just going to be able to put points up on, on people. Um, and they're, they're going to be among the best offenses in the NFL. Um, even if their defense comes down a little bit, I think it's, their offense is going to be able to carry them in different ways. 
Uh, so as far as predictions for this for this coming week, I say it's going to be close. It's probably going to be a lot closer than we want it to be. Um, but in the end, the 49ers will, you know, win uh, by at least a touchdown. Um, I'm going to go 31-24, 49ers start the season at 1-0. Chris, to you. Yep. I, I definitely agree that the Cardinals have improved themselves over the offseason more than the Niners have. And I also agree that they do seem like a team full of players as opposed to a team like the Niners are and like the brotherhood or family that the Niners are. So it might take them a year or two before they really mesh. And they do have you know key additions on defense and on offense, and the running game will be interesting. And it, you know it's really going to come, come down to if they can keep Murray, not necessarily in the pocket, but yeah, maybe their, their strategy should just be just to not rush him at all and just let him leave the empty pocket to get sacked on his own. But they just cannot have him running around the way they allowed him to last year, and they need to stop the running game as well. So if they can do those two things and force him to throw the ball downfield, then I think the 49ers will be in good shape. So for my prediction, the Niners are favored by 7. And the over-under is 47 because Vegas is nice to me because that, <laughs> that math is very easy. Yep. So, 20, so 27 to 20 49ers is the prediction. And I'm going to go with 27 to 19 because that's a score that you see every day, right? <laughs> right but there's yeah. good reason because the Niners are going to be ahead and the Cardinals are going to score late and they're going to go for two to get within one score of the Niners and they're going to fail on the conversion. It's going to be a pass from Murray to Hopkins and Mosley is going to have the pass breakup. So I like it. If you want it specific, you got specific. It's a really in depth. That is specific. Could, can you do a separate episode where you go play by play on the game before we get started? I'm just kidding. Um, Don't do that. That would be be (laughs) terrible. Nobody would listen to that. Only if Um, I can talk another hour about Mostert's contract situation. You got it, my friend. You got it. You just talk to yourself about it. (laughs) Well, cool. Um, Yeah, man, I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I'm ready to, to watch um, some football. I have no earthly idea how I'm going to do it. Um, I'm sure there are places that are open and available to watch, Watch said football game, but it will be a little bit of a, it's a little bit harder, you know, under the circumstances, but uh, figure it out. It'll be good. It'll be just nice to have, uh, have some, uh, some 49ers football back, um, especially if uh, the season um, goes as well as the regular season did last year. Um, and really right up until the end, um, everything was good. So let's just same trajectory and then just a slightly different ending and we'll be good. That's, that's really all it, all it takes. 10, 10 more minutes of good football and all would be well. Um, all right. <laughs> that's, that's what we're hoping for. All right. Thanks, uh, as always, for listening to this episode of the Niner Noise podcast, part of the Fan Sided Podcast Network. Uh, you can check out NinerNoise.com for all your latest 49ers news and analysis. And be sure to rate and subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen. And, of course, share it with all your fellow 49er fan friends. So until next time, let's sound the horn, 49er fans.
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.